You can turn me on now there, Keith. Thank you. You have to, God bless you, preacher. Thank you. You have to tell Keith when to do stuff because he, bless his heart. Since he's grown that beard out, it's changed his whole life, I think. He doesn't even know where he's at half the time. It's like he's hidden the beard. Anyway, but he does have a strong beard game, I'll say that. But anyway, man, it's great to be here tonight. By the way, I'm not a Louisville fan, so it's okay with me. <laughs> uh, but the teams I'm for didn't even, well, one of them made it to the tournament, but they didn't go any further than the first round. So at least I got somebody to cheer for it made it past the first round. But uh, I do like Louisville okay. It's not my favorite team. I don't, I don't get into them too much. I go, I've gone to a couple of games this year. It's pretty exciting. By the way, I was there when they beat Ohio State. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was. <laughs> and I got to admit, I was pulling for Louisville. <laughs> I had a student section all around you. You don't think I'm going to pull for the other team. I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> but anyway. By the way, I was pulling for Ohio State when they lost in the tournament. I'm a Big Ten guy. I'm an SEC and a Big Ten guy. My favorite team is Tennessee and then Indiana. And so I'm a Big Ten guy. I was pulling for Wisconsin to get in. I can't even believe I pulled for Wisconsin. Just the name, Wisconsin. Well, the wickedest uh, place it is is, of course, in Madison, Wisconsin, where they're Wisconsin's at, if you're from Wisconsin. But I'm not from Wisconsin. Is anybody here from Wisconsin before I make fun? God bless y'all. Y'all from Wisconsin? Yeah. At least you left the sin, amen? Came to the big Ohio. The Ohio State. I never figured that out. The Ohio State. There's, there's more than one. How are you going to say that? There, there's, there's several of them. There's one at Marion. There's one several places. Uh, they can't all be the Ohio. They, it's going to be Ohio State with a, you know, I, I like me saying the University of Tennessee. Well, there's UT Martin. There's UT Chattanooga. There's U, they're all over the place. And so I, I don't say they're the university. I say they're the main one, but they're not, there's other branches. My daughter goes to IU Southeast. She graduated from our college, and now she's at IU Southeast over there, and my youngest daughter. And so she doesn't go to the Indiana University. She goes to one of them. And there's several. There's IU East. There's IU Southeast. There's IU Northwest. Uh, come on. Get with the program. They're not the Ohio State. They're just Ohio State University. All right, anyway. Well, I get that out of my system now. You won't listen to a thing I have to say. I got the people back here ready to shoot me because they're from Wisconsin. And, uh, but I pulled for them, man. I was for them. Seriously, I was for Wisconsin. I wanted to beat Kentucky. Don't tell the folks where I'm from that I said that. <laughs> well, I had to live with them Kentucky folks. Man, are they arrogant. But anyway, I moved there from northern Indiana 17 years ago. And one of the guys in high school says to me, he comes up, it's during the football season. And let's face it, Tennessee beat Kentucky 27 times in a row. And then they finally, Kentucky finally beat him. Now they beat him last three years in a row. So it's like 30 out of 31 years they beat him. He comes to me and they've been on this winning streak. And he goes, I tell you what, Tennessee's going down. Kentucky's going to beat them bad this year. And he's just going, I said, you know what, they may, I don't know. I, I didn't know the kid. I was just trying to be nice. And he just went on and on and on and on about it. Tennessee beat him about 40 to 10 or something like that. And I went back in. I didn't say anything. Same year, Tennessee beat him twice in basketball. Twice. He didn't know what to say, bless his heart. I didn't know either because it's unusual. <laughs> Hadn't happened since. <laughs> but I guess it was just God saying, see, I take care of you keep your mouth shut. Because you normally don't keep your mouth shut. So anyway, but anyway, it's great to be here. And, uh, and I did, by the way, I did pull for Ohio State. 
I did. By the way, they're star players from Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know if you know that or not. D'Angelo Russell is originally from Kentucky, from Louisville. He left Louisville to go to Mon Birdie or have you say it down in Florida, played there, and then went from there to the University of Ohio, the University of Ohio State, <laughs> and played for the Buckeyes. And uh, two of my daughter's best friends, both her two best friends are Buckeye people, so they sure are. Her two best friends are Buckeye people, so anyway, they still get over it. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me, please, uh, to the book of Second Chronicles. Chapter number 7, you're very familiar with the passage. It's one we quote often. Let me just say this. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but I used to say to our students, I'd say, if they did something wrong, I'd say, remember when you used to be a student here at the college? Now I could say here, hey, fellas, remember when y'all used to be a staff member here? If I tell you, Pastor, what I know about you, a couple of the guys. (laughs) I, I didn't say anything about the fork in my yard that night after curfew in the middle of the night, and then putting saran wrap in my car and putting shaving cream all over it. I didn't say anything about that. <laughs> and I could go a lot further, but I won't. I'll stop there. And you weren't in here this morning, so let me repeat this for your sake, Brad. <laughs> Never make the preacher look bad when you're up here on the platform if you want to keep your job. <laughs> you're saying, we're going we're gonna to raffle off this. He'll be raffling you off. Anyway. <laughs> He won't get anything, but <laughs> it'd have to be a double deal. Take you and your wife both, and then you'll get some money. If it's just you, forget it. It won't happen. But anyway, it is great to be here. I'm honored. And forgive me, I, I sound a little bit hoarse. That means I'm a pony. Some of you will get that after a while. Time capsule one. But uh, <clears throat> I've had a little problem with, a, my, uh, with allergies and allergic to stuff. And I'm trying to get over it the last two days. been sick. Uh, well, last three days, been trying to get over it. And so I'm a lot better than I was, that's for sure. But then anything for me is uphill. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing. When you're on the bottom rung, anything. It's like somebody said, man, you look better than you used to. And yeah, well, when you're on the bottom rung, anything looks better. And so you can't go much lower. But God has been good to me. Um, we, I believe, live in a world where most people really don't, really want revival. Either they want a series of meetings. Well, that's if they want that. Most people don't even want that because it's a waste of their time, they feel like. And what they really feel like is it's, look, I, I, I've got my life is too busy to stop my life and have services Monday night, Tuesday night. I have other things planned on Monday and Tuesday night. And for me to take time out of my schedule for revival service is just, I, I just don't have time for that. Why does the preacher even schedule it? I mean, we just, a couple of weeks ago, had the men sing, and I had to take time out for that on Friday. Now you're asking me to do this again, and then we won't be no time until we'll be doing, it'll be this, we'll be doing the Rubber City Youth Rally, right? And then I'll have to take out time for that. I mean, come on. I have a life. I have, I have a life outside of the church. Didn't you know that? Now, nobody in this room probably would say that. But you might think it. And even if you didn't think it, it might be your attitude. So we really, truly don't want revival. We just want status quo. As long as everything's going well and everything's smooth and everything's flowing real well, that's good enough. Why upset the apple cart? Why cause havoc when I don't have to have havoc in my life? And that's the way most people feel. 
Therefore, most people have no idea how to have revival or if they ever will have revival. I hope you're not that way. Because if you are that way, you wasted your time this week. Because what we really need is revival. Now, here's why most people, and I'm going to say it in a few minutes later on, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it now. Most people don't want revival because they don't want God to expose anything in their life that might need to be changed. See, if I have revival, I'm going to have to change some things. There's some things I'm doing, I'm going to have to stop doing. There's some things I'm not doing, I'm going to have to start doing. And truthfully, I don't know that I want to do that. Because again, I'm pretty comfortable. Everything's going pretty smooth. Don't get me out of my comfort zone. Everything's going all right. Staff, let me say something to you. Staff, it works here. And, and I'm, not making, I'm not kidding with the two now. I'm being serious, all right? You'll never succeed as a staff until you get out of your comfort zone and decide you'll take chances and do stuff that maybe you should, thought you couldn't do. Like witness that guy nobody wants to witness to. I mean, or, or, or take a step and take a chance on asking God to do something great in your life. But look, Lonnie used to say all the time, uh, uh, ask God for something so big that, he, that only God himself could do it. But if we as a staff, sometimes we don't want to step out of our comfort zone because we get comfortable coming to work, working, doing our thing. We get it all down to science now how to do it. And so we're not going to step out of that comfort zone and put ourselves on the line. Like if you're a bus captain saying if you've been having, uh, you, you want to have 70, but you don't want to tell him about that because if you don't have it, then it's like you look like a failure. Well, why don't you put yourself out on the line and say, I'm going to have 70 on my bus on the big day. And then you get a hold of God and ask God to do it like it's all up to him. And then you go out and you beat on the doors like it's all up to you. And see what God will do. But most people, they won't get out of the comfort zone for that. Hey, my 30's been coming, that's enough. After all, I'd just be more kids to take care of. I'd have to recruit more workers. I don't know who I'd get. And it's just too many problems. And so they, they're, preacher, they're, in, they're satisfied with their comfort zone. Yeah, I'll work, but as long as you don't ask me to go out and put myself out on a limb. Because after all, what if, I get sawn, what if it gets sawn off and I'm there by myself and <laughs> nothing but the ground below? But what we fail to realize is God's with us during those times. And if you can't trust Him, who can you trust? I mean, look, so we don't want revival. Most people don't. But I hope that's not your heart today. And we read this verse, these verses so often here in Second Chronicles. We read this verse. A lot of you probably got it memorized. But I want you to notice it as you start out. I want you to back up verse number 1. It says, Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, and fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, the glory of the Lord filled the house. So here's sometimes what we fail to do when we read that verse 14. It's like they were this... They were, living, uh, they, they were living like a bunch of animals out there. They were so wicked. But hold on a minute. He wasn't talking to people who were a bunch of animals. He wasn't talking to a bunch of heathens. Look what it says. It says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire from, came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Praise God, wouldn't we like the glory of the Lord to fill the house? Amen? Amen. Thank both of you who agree with me. I said, wouldn't we like the glory of the Lord to fill the house? Amen? That's what I'm talking about. There we go. We're getting there now. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord's house. 
I mean, you, you get some good, big time stuff here. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for it is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord and Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of the Lord of God and the priests waited on their offices and the Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord uh, which David the king had made to praise the Lord because his mercy endureth forever. And aren't you glad his mercy endureth forever? Brother, I have rights. You're violating my rights. Well, thank God. I, I, I tell you what rights I have. I have a right to serve God. If it were not for his mercy and his grace, I'd be burning in hell right now. And so would everyone I'm looking at right now as I scan the crowd. There's not a one of us that would be, be worthy of anything. Well, uh, do they know who they're talking to? You know who I am? I don't know who you are. doesn't matter who you are. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, you'd be burning in hell where you deserve to be and where I deserve to be. Even from, from Wisconsin. Amen. It's a good place to be from. Amen. Come on. Is somebody else from Wisconsin? Oh, where are you from? Does she? God help him, I pray, amen. Anyway, all right. <laughs> he had to, look, let me do the preaching, all right? I mean, guys, you can tell them, you, you can always tell certain people, you just can't tell them much. Anyway, all right, let me, I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing. I shouldn't have said that, Father, forgive me, I know not what I do. Now as a Catholic in here, and I just offended them, so. I can't win for losing tonight, I've opened my mouth too many times. All right, let me get back to the message, that's what I need to do. That's what I should have done anyway, all right, stay with it. Look at now. Thank you. And then notice this. They offered all these sacrifices. And then verse 8 says, Also at the same time Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great congregation, from the end and end to Hamath and to the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day they, they, kept a, they made a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days, and the feast seven days. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in their hearts for the goodness that the Lord had shown to David and to Solomon and to Israel's people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that was uh, came into the Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord in his own house. He prospered effectively. Effect, effected, I'm sorry, prospered effect. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. He didn't say all these things. He said, if it happens, then here's what you ought to do. He says, if I do that, then verse 14, if my people, when this happens, which are called my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall see the op be open, and mine ears attended to the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name shall be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me, as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, shall observe my statutes and my judgment, then will I establish the king throne of thy kingdom, according as I have coveted with David thy father, Covenant with David our father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, 
which I have set before you, and which shall go and serve other gods and, and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passes by it, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus into this land and into this house? And it should be answered, because they forsook the Lord, their father, God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on the other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, hath he brought all this evil up on them. That's a powerful chapter. If we just said, read that chapter and had an invitation, I think God could do something if we let him. But let me share just a few thoughts with you this afternoon, this evening real quickly. I don't know what time we're supposed to get out. I forgot to ask, number one. Number two, I don't have a watch again. I forgot to borrow one. No, that's all right. I don't need tonight. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Number three, I've never gotten out on time in the history anyway, hardly. So what, when, why would I start now? Anyway, I'm just teasing. I actually did learn how on tour to get out on time. Yeah. I want you to notice something. And here's our question I present to you tonight. So I, I present a question to you. Here's the question. Do you want revival in your heart? I'm not asking you what you want for your brother, not for your sister, your mom, your dad, your wife, your children. I'm asking what do you personally want revival in your heart? Because, see, what happens is someone said, some preacher said years ago, he said what we need to do if we're going to have revival is draw a circle and step inside that circle and say, God, Speak to the boy inside the circle. I don't know about everybody else. Just this one. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to say to you tonight, if you want revival, you're going to have to draw a circle in your mind and step inside that circle and say, Now, God, this guy inside this circle or this lady inside this circle wants revival. And I believe that God will give you revival if you really want it. And now notice what he said. He said, Now, look, if I sin... If, if I shut the heavens that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, if my people, here's number one, and listen to this proclamation he made. Number one, if my people. He was talking to those who were his own people. I don't think we'll be doing this a disservice to say this. If God's people that we know today, I'm not talking about the nation of Israel, even though it's God's people. I'm talking about we as Christians. If my people, and that's the starting point. Some people can't have revival, Pastor, because they're just not God's people. They've never been blood washed, born again, child of God. They've never become that. If you're sitting here tonight and you've never been saved, you're not yet God's people. You're not going to get God to bless you like you want to until you get God as your Savior. He's our heavenly Father when we trust Him as a His ministry received Him. To them gave the power to become sons of God, even them who call on His name. Those who call on His name become His sons in Christ. I became a child of the King. His royal blood now flows through my veins when I bowed my head and said yes to Jesus. But you see here, listen, if you've not been saved yet, you're not really His child yet. You're not a child. The Bible said you're a child of the devil, not a child of the King. And the truth is, He starts out by saying, number one, if my people. Right. Here tonight, starting point for having revival. You've got to be saved. 
You can't revive something that's never been there. The word revival means to revive something that's almost died out. It's like having a fire. I used to, I got a fire. I got a stove in my house. And the truth is, I didn't use it this winter, but I did last winter. And the truth is, on, that, on, the, uh, on the stove, I'd have to go down there at night sometimes and stoke the fire and get up early in the morning and you'd have a fireplace or have had one before. Some of we older people have had them all of our life nearly. You have to go out there and stoke the fire and get the wood and get it going again because the fire's almost dead. There's just a few embers that are glowing sometimes. And you've got to get the fire going. But if you're not born again, there ain't no fire there. You've got to start the fire. And you start the fire by getting born again. You start the fire by getting saved. And if you're saved, you've got a fire. You may not see it, but it's there somewhere. So number one, you've got to be saved. Notice what he says here, the second part of his proclamation. If my people, which are called by my name, by the way, called by my name goes along with that first part. Saved. I'm a child of the king. I'm his child. We're called Christians. Little Jesuses, if you would, a little Christ. My people, which come in my name, and second part, shall humble themselves. Look, here's the part that gets most people, and that is the part of being submissive to God, the heart of submission. Most people never submit to God. Therefore, they never have revival. Why would I want God telling me what to do? I'm doing pretty good on my own. I told pastor today, I said, you know what most people say? I'm good. I'm good. You've been out knocking on doors. You talk to somebody, and they go, oh, oh, I'm good. I got a church. I'm good. Oh, really? Are you? How good are you? My Bible says there's none good, no, not one. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what it says. You know what? People say, I'm, I'm fine. Why are you preaching to me? I'm all right. Well, I don't need to hear that. I'm all right. I'm in good shape. Hey, he's up there screaming, hollering, running all over the place, making a fool of himself. I'm doing pretty good. I don't need it. I don't need what he's talking about. That's why you never have revival. You're never willing to submit to the Holy Spirit of God as He speaks to your heart. As the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to convict your heart. Either that or you're like they were in Hebrews when He said, don't let your heart become so hardened. And what happens is the same Word of God that softens hearts also hardens hearts. If you don't respond to the Word of God by faith and do what it says, you leave the service harder than you were when you walked into the service. The one that goes out better is the one who lets the Holy Spirit of God use the Word of God to soften his heart. The same sun that hardens and bakes the ground is also the one that melts the snow. It's also the one that softens. So it's whether or not you let the sun bake you when he takes the Word of God or you let the sun soften you as he gives you the Word of God. And so if you leave here tonight without doing what God tells you to do. And many times, here's what we do. We go to a church service and the pastor preaches and we know good and well, we know good and well, we know good and well that, that our heart was spoken to. And you say, you know, I really ought to walk out. But, uh, besides that, what will people think if I walked out? They'll, they think I'm a good Christian. They'll think I'm wicked. I go down down front, they'll go, you see her, she went down, boy, she must have wickedness in her heart. Guess what? Everybody has wickedness in their heart. Amen. Let me say it again. Guess what? Everybody has wickedness in their heart. I said, guess what? Everybody has wickedness in their heart. I said, guess what? Everybody has wickedness in their heart. That's the problem. See, we're so lifted up with pride because that's the object of humility. We don't humble ourselves. Instead, we, we bow our back up with pride and say, well, I'm pretty good. I don't care what that preacher says. I'm a good guy. After all, I do this and I do this and I work on a bus route and I tithe and I do this and I do that. Yeah, but what about your thoughts at life? What about your thought life? Well, what about your love for Christ? How about this one? 
Love your enemies like you love yourself. Okay, how many of us can say that's true in our life? Stand up if you can do that. I don't love my enemies like I love me. Love your neighbors yourself. How many can say that? Okay, let me sit down here real quick. See, that's the problem. We're not willing to admit that we have a problem. And when you're not willing to admit you have a problem, you never get victory over it. Instead, we say, well, I'm not that bad. And then our heart gets hardened and the deceitfulness of sin causes us to get harder and harder and harder. And still the aisles being flooded with people weeping and pouring their heart out before God. They're saying, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty, that's why you see church after church where nobody, I said nobody ever walks out. And have you noticed those churches where nobody ever walks out to get right with God? Also churches where nobody walks out to get saved. Because God doesn't bless a bunch of backslidden rascals. He's not going to pour his presence out. Why would he? If my people, which are called by my name, saved, shall humble themselves, submit. Submission. Notice the next one. By the way, I don't have time to look these up, but James chapter 4, verse 6 through 10 talks about pride. Proverbs 13, 10, Proverbs 16, 18, Proverbs 18, 12, Proverbs 21, 20, 21, 4, and on and on and on I go. And somebody's writing those down. I'll say them again real quick, all right? James 4, 6 through 10. Proverbs 13, 10, 16, 18, 18, 12, and 21, 4. Oh, and I got them marked in my Bible, but I'm, for the second time, I'm not going to turn there. All talk about pride. Pride comes before destruction, the hardest bit before a fall. And on and on we could go. And the Bible says when you're willing to humble yourself in the sight of God, He will lift you up. God doesn't bless pride. He judges pride. And that is why we do not have revival. We, Brother Rick, are not willing to take our old wicked, vile, dirty hearts and say, God got me. Guilty. 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 Because, again, we don't want to look bad in the sight of anybody else. I'm a fine, upstanding Christian. I am, I am. Why should I say I'm a wicked sinner? I'm not. Yeah, you are. Because your filthiness, your, your, your righteousness is as filthy rags. That's pretty dirty. We don't ever have revival. We just go around living our life, status quo, Never really have the power and the presence of God like we could have. And we miss the joy. And we miss the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. He didn't say your joy. He says his joy. If my people, which call my name, save, shall humble themselves, submission, and pray. <laughs> All right. Got to have a word that starts with an S, Brad. Supplication. You knew I'd have one, didn't you? I didn't want to disappoint you. Look, when we come to God in prayer and just say, all right, God, you got me. Wait a minute. This is after we've submitted to him. Say, God, I want revival. Lord, send the old time power, the Pentecostal power. You know what? We don't even know what, what does that song even mean? God, meet with us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Might be good if you just fell the first time. Lord, give me fresh oil, as Brother Howes used to preach about. Be good if some of us just got some oil, period. We don't have any idea. 
We hear them talk about, and you know what we do? We say, well, back in the old days, and they used to, you can't do that anymore. I, I, bear, I, I, I dare to differ with you. I, I'm sorry. If God would do it for Tom Williams, a member of our church, if God would do it for Tom Williams, why does he do it for Tom Williams won't do it for Ricky Moon? i tell you why, because Tom Williams is willing to pay the price, and Ricky Moon's not willing to pay the price, and that's why Ricky Moon don't get it, and that's why Tom Williams gets it. Well, that, that'll shut you down real quick, won't it? That won't preach. <laughs> Supplication, pray. When's the last time you really asked God for prayer and prayer for revival? Dear God, bless the meetings. Thank you, Father. Amen. About what? I don't even remember what I prayed. I probably not prayed something. Where's the old-fashioned, dear God, if you don't meet with us? It's not going to work. Oh, God. And let me take the next one, and we'll add these two together. Pray and seek my face. You know what that word seek means? It means seek with a passion. Here's the most we seek. Oh, I'm looking for something. Look, when that woman lost her coins, she didn't say, well, I guess I'll just find the coins eventually. They'll show up, I'm sure. We might find them. My Bible says she took and swept the house. And notice the wordage. And look diligently for it. Diligently. And when he went to look for his sheep that was lost, he didn't say, sheepy, sheepy, where art thou? I know you out there somewhere. Boo-boo. Sheepy. Come on, baby. No, he's searching. I got to find his sheep. Do you know what that sheep, that's a precious sheep to me. And if I don't find him, uh, I'm in trouble. And, and he could fall in some ravine and, and he could be hurting right now with a broken leg or something wrong in his life. And I got to find him. That sheep's important to me and I got to find him. And the truth is, we don't seek after God like the Bible says to. And by the way, I don't have time to look it all up for you. But if you look up, you'll find out the Bible talks about, even in Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, it says, when you seek for the Lord, he will be found. And the truth is, that's talking about seeking for him with a passion. You know what? We don't have... Look, you go to a ball game. I'm going to tell you what those Louisville people were doing. I know them. Brother Reno was one of them. He was biting his nails today when they lost. He was heartbroken. I love Brother Reno. But he came to church Wednesday night with his red jacket on. Louisville. Those people wanted a victory. And when they scored late in that game and tied it up, Brother Reno wasn't going, bravo, Mango. By the way, the guy that hit that free throw at the end of the game, the tight, Mango, Matthew A. Mango, he got saved at our youth conference last year. Amen. Big tall kid, 12, played for Louisville. He got saved at our youth conference last year. Came front, and I, I, I met him at the front and gave a guy to him, and the guy won him to Christ. You know what? He didn't go, bravo, they scored and tied it. He's going, yeah, woo! He got excited. There was a passion there. I watched some of these people's in love. Young couples. I won't call names. I won't even look that way. Right? I watched them talking to each other. Come here, Brad. I can't do it. And they talked to each other like this. I mean, they're right in each other's face. And I used to be that way. Come think about it, I still am. Hey, I won't go any further. I doesn't say this. I may be old, but I'm not dead. And I still, by the way, fellas, I didn't do this so I could tell you, but I'm going to tell you so you'll do it. 
I, last week, I was sick. And on Thursday, I went to the doctor. From the doctor, I went to the, the drugstore to get medicine. And I walked by up there getting stuff, and I saw roses on sale. And I thought, you know what? I ought to get her some roses just because I love her. And I walked up there and bought her a dozen roses, carried them, put them in a vase, got the thing on there, forgot to get the thing, went back and got it, and I put, and I got it when it said just because, and under it I put, I love you. I don't have to do it for a special reason. Just, hey, look, you put up with me for, for 40 years, and you deserve more than roses, brother. <laughs> and she's done it as of June the 6th, 40 years. I've been married 40 years, June the 6th. How does a guy 35 years old be married 40 years? It's amazing. Amazing. Okay, how's the guy? Well, because I got married when I was 18. Some other people young got married too like that. Amen, sister? I won't, I won't call Megan's name. All right, anyway. Thank you. You'll be, a, you, you'll be a, like I am a grandparent when you're young. I was a grandparent at 40-something years old, 42, 43. Handsome grandparent, though. <laughs> Dashing down there. Truth is, I was a grandparent. My dad was still having children when, <laughs> when he was my age and I was a grandparent. I was four, he was 45 when I was born. They saved the best for last. I won't tell you who was last. <laughs> but I was the ninth out of nine. You figure the rest of it out, all right? <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Just because I love her. And boy, when I was dating her, I couldn't wait to be with her. I couldn't wait. When I got around her, I didn't walk around her and say, well, you sit over there, I'll sit over here and I'll do my thing. I want to sit right next to her. Closer than I should have been sitting. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't tell these teenagers. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I did. It was fun. By the way, it's still fun. We'll hold hands as walking across the yard holding hands. We moved to Louisville 17 years ago, and the people who lived across the street from us said, after we moved, told the realtor, said, the Moon family? Said, those two act like they're newlyweds. A day is with the, with the Lord. A day is a thousand years, a thousand years a day. Hey, I'm a newlywed. Amen. I'm still excited. But I didn't seek her like, well, if she wants me, okay. If she don't want me, okay. Now I was like, oh, boy, I hope she'll take me. Mm, I can't wait. Oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> now, we'll get excited about dating some young lady, fellas. And some of you guys remember when you were dating that woman you married to, how excited you were to have her. You'll stay excited about it now. You know how to keep her? Treat her like you did when you were trying to get her to win her, and you'll never lose her. That's what Curtis Hudson said. I've been trying that, and so far, 40 years, I ain't lost her yet. She's had a lot of opportunities, and she didn't take them, praise God. <laughs> she stayed with the old, this old knothead and followed me all over the place. I want to tell you something. You hear me and hear me well. If we sought God like we seek other things, we'd have God's power and presence and we'd have revival. But see, we don't seek God with a passion. We seek our sports with a passion. We seek a job with a passion. We seek money with a passion. But we don't seek God with a passion. And he said, if my people were to call by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek me with a passion. What's wrong with having a passion? You're just too passionate. You are, too, about certain things. It just depends on what you're passionate about. I'm passionate about this book. I'm passionate about preaching. I'm passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate about people missing hell and going to heaven. Look, you're passionate. By the way, I'm passionate about a ball game. That, I, mean, I, 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 I correct the refs when I'm sitting in the living room. I correct them over the TV. They don't listen. Just like when I coach, they wouldn't listen to me. They won't listen over the TV either. 
I still do it, though. Sheila says, Ricky, do you really believe they can hear you? And I said, no, but it makes me feel better to say it. <laughs> it's kind of stupid if you think about it. I'm sorry. It's kind of dumb if you think about it. I forgot about children being here using that word. I used that word on my grandchildren last summer. They went, oh, mm, Papa used a bad word. I said, I didn't use that dirty word. Mom, Papa used a bad word. I said, all I said was stupid. Oh, Papa used a bad word. I looked and said, what did you teach him? She said, the same thing you taught us. <laughs> okay, got you. Mm-hmm. Huh? That's right, I didn't let y'all use that word either when you're little. But you're not little anymore. She said, but mine are. <laughs> I said, yeah, you're right. Okay, let's move on. You see, he said, well, seek my face. When's the last time you sought God with a passion? Or is your time with God like this? My time's up. I got to go, God. Or are you fixing to go to bed? Oh, yeah, I got to spend a little time with God. Huh? That's it. And that's why we don't have revival. You know why? Let's be honest. We don't want it. We just don't really want it. We're, we're happy with the status quo. So we get what we want, which is nothing. If my people would call my name, save, submissive, supplicating, pray and seek my face. And here's the part that, second part that really gets us, the next part that really gets us. And turn from their wicked ways. Well, first of all, because we've got a pride problem, we won't humble ourselves, we don't even think we have any wicked ways. But if we did, why would I turn from them? I'm enjoying them too much. Because a lot of people say, I know I'm doing wrong, but I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy it. I don't think it's that wrong. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think y'all make too much out of it. That's the case. Never have revival. See, we can lie and think it's not such a big deal to lie. In fact, you go to 1 John chapter 1. I think there'll be three directions people direct prayer, uh, lies to in that passage. Number one, they lie to themselves. Or lie to others, I mean. And then it says, and then it says, and then if you'll notice, they lie to God. Now, I'm not turned there. I'll explain it later, maybe. But the last part says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That's when we lie to ourselves. And the truth's not in us. See, if you lie to others long enough, you'll begin to lie to yourself and to God. If we say we have no sin, we make him a liar, and his truth's not in us. So we lie to others, then we lie to ourselves. After all, you know, we, we convince ourselves what we're doing is okay to do. What I'm doing is okay. It's not that big of a deal. I'm missing church, but it's not that big of a deal. After all, the Bible doesn't say come to church two times on Sunday. You're right, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I can't even chew on it for a while. It doesn't say that. So I'm okay. They went once, so I can go once. It's Bible. I can't deny that. It's the Word of God. Only one difference. They stayed all day. Like some of these workers over here did that was all, worked on our bus routes this afternoon. Stayed all day. I'll take the two times and let y'all stay all day. <laughs> Bless your hearts. I'm glad you did it, but I'm glad I didn't have to do it. All right, moving right on. What am I saying? But the Bible does say not to forsake the sin of ourselves together as a matter of something, but exhorting one of us so much more as you see the day approaching. So when, how often are you supposed to go? Every time the church meets? 
So if it meets Monday night, you're supposed to go. If it meets Tuesday night, you're supposed to go, unless you're providentially hindered. Wednesday night, you're supposed to go, unless you're providentially hindered. Well, I'll let you chew on that in a while, and you can get mad at me on that. And his brother, Tom Williams, said, huh? What a wicked way to separate. You know, I, uh, Psalms says this in Psalm 51, and I've got written beside Psalm 51. Somebody taught me this years ago, and I wrote this beside it. I, I wrote my name right above it. It says Ricky Moon. This is, this is Ricky Moon. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in my inward parts and in the hidden parts thou hast made, should make me to know wisdom. Purge me with the hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and the gladness that the bones which I have broken may rejoice. Hide not thy face uh, from, uh, from my sins. I'm sorry, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners, sinners shall be converted unto thee. May I say this, the sinners weren't converted and the people weren't done that way until first he got right with God. That goes back to what I said earlier about why you want the power of God to fall in place and you want people to get saved and baptized and lives to be changed, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to take those first verse 1 through verse number 12 and then, then will I teach transgressors that way. Then will sinners shall be converted to thee. Deliver me from the guiltiness, O oh God, thou God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Maybe that's the reason why some people can't sing loud of God's righteousness because they're so backslidden and their heart's so cold and it's so indifferent. They don't have a song in their heart. They're not excited about Jesus. They don't have the joy of the Lord in their heart. Amen. And notice what he said. Restore me the joy of thy salvation. Praise God. I'm saved. A lot of people aren't excited about their salvation because they're so stinking backslidden. They don't have anything to be excited about. Well, praise God, I deserve to burn in hell. And I got born again. I got saved. I become a child of the King. His royal blood now flows through my veins. I got something to be excited about. And you, ain't, you may not be very excited if you backslidden and rascal you. Living in your wicked sin, right? Out of these, these loud mouth guys that get excited about being saved. So we're all saved. Friend, you're so cold and indifferent, you wouldn't know salvation that slapped you upside the head. Truth is, you may be saved, but you're so cold and indifferent, you don't even understand. You don't even start to scratch the surface how good it is to be saved. Amen. By the way, some of you old timers, and I'll say this because I'm an old timer, get mad at him if you want to. If you don't like it, meet Brad out front and he'll take care of my light work. <laughs> Think in Hanley, Josh will go with him. If they can't hand you, wait, I'll be there tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. I'll be right out there waiting on you. If I'm not there, there's a reason I'm not there. But we old timers. Yeah, they'll get over it. They just got saved and they'll get over it. Praise be to God. I hope they never get over it. They'll be a deadbeat like you are. I don't want no deadbeat. I want somebody excited about being saved. Look, you go tell people about Jesus. You go, well, you wouldn't probably want it because there's not much anyway. Brother, 
I'm talking about heaven and hell. I'm talking about from darkness to light. I'm talking about from death to life. Brother, it's worth having. And if it's worth having, it's worth getting excited about. Listen, I don't say, well, yeah, I got a wife. No, I got a wife. Woo-hoo. Anyway, I won't go there. I might start howling or something. But I got a wife. That's why I bought her flowers, because I got a wife. By the way, I bought, I'll buy her something on Mother's Day, too. By the way, I buy her something for her birthday. By the way, I buy her something for, for, uh, for uh, Valentine's Day. Anniversary. I ain't got that far yet, brother. Don't push me. Don't push your luck. All right? No, I buy her something for anniversary. And by the way, I don't expect her to buy me anything for anniversary. Well, it's your anniversary, too. No. Praise be to God, Brick. When a woman took me and you, Amen. they deserve a lot, and we don't deserve anything. <laughs> Two Ricks and both of us are ugly as homemade sin made over again. That woman's as blind as my wife is. Let's just be honest. Tell it like it is, Brother Moon. I just did. All right, here we go. Now, you listen to me. Hear me now. We're not willing to separate from their wicked ways. Separate. If we don't apply verse Psalm 51, we probably won't have victory. Now, notice what he says. He, he gives us a promise. Now, I'm almost done. Of course, I've been almost done the whole time. Look what he says to the people. Let me go back to my text. That helped good being found in Psalm 51. Look what he says in verse number 15. Mine eyes shall be opened and mine ears shall be attended that prayer that is made in this place. Now, for now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be with thee forever and that mine eyes may and my heart may be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, excuse me, and do according to all that I have commanded thee and shall observe my statutes and my judgment, then will I establish thy throne, the, the throne of thy kingdom. Now watch this. He says to the people, look. He says, I'll hear you. Verse 15. I will hear you from heaven. Boy, isn't it great to know God's listening. I'll forgive your sins. Praise be to God. He'll forgive my sins. And when he forgives, here's the good part. He forgets. Amen. When you do so wrong to somebody, they may forgive you, but they won't forget it. But when he forgives you, he forgets it. In Hebrews, the Bible says, there's iniquity and sin will I remember no more. Praise be unto God. I'll remember it no more. Hey, friend, you lived a wicked life, and you say, I'm ashamed of how I lived. Can I tell you something? If you don't tell nobody, God won't tell nobody. I must get up and brag about, well, when I was, before I got saved, I lived. Maybe it'd be better if you just didn't say that. Some of it, it's just not good. Just say, God saved me from a wicked life. And boy, I am so grateful and I'm praising God. Did you hear me? Isn't it great to know God will forgive you? He says, I'll heal your land. I'll, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin. And he said, if all those things have happened to your land, that perpetual problems I got and, 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 and there's been no rain stuff, I'll heal all that. In other words, what he's saying is, if you'll just get right with me, if, you, if I do this, you'll get right with me, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I don't know about you, but I want the blessing of God. I'll forgive your sin. I'll heal your land. And he said to the leader here, as I just read, if you'll walk before me and keep my commandments, I'll bless you. But here's the closing statements. But if you forsake it, me, I'm going to take a two before and knock it beside the head. I'm not going to bless you. Look what he says. 
verse 19, but if you, you turn away and forsake my statues and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them and this house which I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight and will make it a proverb and a bad word among all nations. Verse 22. And if it, it shall be answered because they... And people say, well, why did what that happen? Because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. So here we are. We're at a, we're at a crossroads. And here's the question to you tonight. Do you want revival? Or do you want a series of meetings? Or do you really want neither one? You're just going to show up because you have to so nobody says, well, where was he at? Or do you want revival? Lord, send the old time power, the Pentecostal power, that sinners be converted and thy name glorified. You know what an outbreak of revival is? People get saved. Revival is not people getting saved. Revival is a result of people getting, I mean, I'm sorry, souls being saved is a result of revival. Soul being saved is not revival. Revival is to take an ember that's almost gone out, a fire that's almost gone out, as I said a while ago, and stirring it up and stoking it and putting more wood on the fire and getting the fire going again. Let me ask you something. Has your fire gone down? Maybe you put wet wood on it. You're You're throwing sin in there, wet wood. And so the fire's dying even more so because you're throwing it out there. So the little ember's getting smaller and smaller because you're throwing, you're throwing water in on it, throwing wet wood on it. Parents, let me say this to you and all. Please don't get mad at me. When I was a youth pastor, and I was for about 19, 20 years, one of the biggest disappointments to me was when I, we'd take our kids somewhere to either have a, a youth retreat or take them off to a conference or a camp, and they'd come back fired up and ready to serve God. And mom and dad put wet blankets on everything they did because, Brother Rick, it exposed their sin and laziness. Oh, I knew that wouldn't go over too well. But preacher, it's the truth. It was one of my most biggest heartbreaks was when parents put wet blanket. Well, he did that last year. It didn't last last year. It won't last this year. Now, I can see you're really excited about it. Well, what if it didn't last last year? What if it didn't? Maybe it will this time. Maybe it'll stick this time. Maybe he meant it this time. Maybe he'll have the courage and the character to do right. Maybe if you helped him, it might stick. Maybe if you helped him, it might stay instead of putting a wet blanket on it. Parents, don't do that. You, you, you kill your kids when you do that. A preacher gets up and preaches on don't gossip, and they go home and you gossip. Oh, I don't know why the preacher talks about gossiping. Who does he think he is? You just put a wet blanket on what the preacher preached to your kids. And they're going, oh, yeah. <laughs> Who do I believe? Preacher or my own family? Well, usually blood wins out in most cases. Ah, that hurts. Do you. I didn't say did your neighbor. I didn't say did your family member. I didn't say did your buddy, your friend. Do you want revival? Hey, older folks, senior citizens, do we want revival? Are we just satisfied with status quo too? After all, we don't need to get right with God. Look all we've done in the church all these years. Yeah, toot your own horn, that sounds like a little bit of pride to me. If my people tell me they humble themselves. So you've done a few things. So what? Hey, you know how much I gave to the church? 
I don't want to know how much you gave. The little widow's the only one that got acknowledged. And she only gave two little mites. So maybe that little bus kid that put his little money, all he had in, God looked at him and said, now there's a giver. And looked at you and said, you should have given twice that much. Whoa, that went over like a lead balloon. Look, I, I'm sorry. I'm older now. You, get, you can get mad at Brad and Josh and all these young staff members. I ain't no young staff member. I'm an old codger. And I'm saying to we old codgers, wake up and get excited about Jesus. Amen. Quit being lazy and, and going, well, I just can't do much because I don't feel good. I don't feel good half the time. I'm honest, I don't. If I worked on how I felt, I wouldn't do a whole lot. I got a heart that doesn't beat. It beats the right amount of time with a bunch of blood pressure medicine and, and a lot of other stuff to make it beat harder. But honestly, it, it just don't do what it used to do because only half of it works. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm not going to let Brad or any of these young men, Josh or any of them, do more for Jesus than I'm doing. I can pray as much as they can. Don't cost any more. I can go sowing as much as they do. Don't cost any more. I can win souls like they can. Don't cost any more. Now, I can't get out and shovel the snow. And they can. Praise be to God that I got out of that one. <laughs> Brother Dave and him, they were shoveling that snow, and I walked by and waved my hand. He goes, yeah, I saw you waving. You're making fun of us. Yeah, look at them. They're having to shovel snow, and I'm not. I didn't say that, but I should have said it. <laughs> anyway, I did get out of it. Actually, I felt bad because they're out there shoveling, and I'm not. Honestly, honestly, I felt bad. I, I, since I had a, a heart attack, that's one thing, don't shovel snow. I shovel a little bit in my driveway sometimes if I have to, but I don't shovel anything else. They shouldn't even do that. Let me tell you something, old codgers, we can do as much as they can. Amen. Let's quit making excuses. Maybe we can't run the bus routes like we used to could. We can still pray for the people doing financing. But we can have revival just like they can. Don't you let one of these little young whippersnappers have more of the power of God in their life than you do. You know God better than they do, and you know more Bible than they do. Why don't you have the power of God? Boy, I have started meddling now, haven't I? He done quit preaching and started meddling. You're right, I have. I'm going to stop. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm not going to give you a tear-jerking 